Oh my gosh, oh. there we are. And there we are. All right. Oh, I got to make it so that I can't hear my my own voice doesn't play back to me. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you got to let us know if we're too loud or if we're too quiet, and I can adjust that on the fly. We kind of got a, a mix of our, our normal stream setup, but also kind of a new layout just for this event so that it makes us a little bit bigger. We're both using our good cameras. Yeah. yeah so we're <laughs> trying to step it up. Yeah. You know? The nice thing about a virtual convention is Sandy can actually come. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but you know, I've never been to a convention where I, you know, I just finished mowing the lawn and then, <laughs> and then, you know, came in for a panel. <laughs> I, I did, I did shower though before. So just, well, okay, that's 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 good. Oh, it's, apparently it's, you're louder than me for once. Oh, okay. I think you you started talking a little louder. Once, yeah, probably. Once I can I, I I can adjust that and just. And is just my volume okay? Does Corey need to go down or do I need to go up? I I can bring you up if you need to. Where's the super chat button? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know this this is actually a pretty neat neat little system here. I mean, I, I'm glad that the Long Island people were able to put this together because i mean i don't know how many of y'all are you know regulars at the long island retro gaming expo but i mean last year was our first year there and i think they'd been trying to get us to go for a, a year or two and the timing just didn't work out because i think we'd already committed to other conventions uh but i mean I, I i hope that maybe next year things can be normal and they can run it again because i it really was i mean i keep saying it but it is it is a contender for my favorite convention we've been to i mean they just they they just put on a really good show. They were very well organized. Mm -hmm. The people that run are fantastic. So I, I'm glad that they were able to make this little event happen. Yeah, and we bought a lot of Master System games last year. At least I we did. did. And you did. I guess you bought a couple too. Well, you know, I think the only thing that I bought that wasn't Master System or Sega Genesis was uh, uh, Biohazard Gun Survivor Two, the Code Veronica one, the mm -hmm. Japan only Code Veronica right. one for uh, PS2, because like for some reason like that, I I don't know if it's like a regional thing, but that expo was like really, uh, was really uh, uh, Sega heavy, which was was good for me because like that's an area of my collection that needs some work. Yeah, so I've that's for sure. And unfortunately, that's the only thing that we're missing out on is by by doing something like this is that. You know, we can't, our, our wallets are probably happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, I mean, our wallets are saved. I've made, I've made fewer visits to the local game stores and, you know, fewer <laughs> visits to the conventions, you know? So, I mean, I guess it all balances out. You know, there's some, <laughs> some good sides to everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we want to thank everybody for, uh, for having us at this and we're just going to do, we're just going to do a, a general Q and A. You can, you can feel free to ask us. Yeah, we're just going. We're just going to hang out and chat here. I mean, keep, keep you know, an eye on and, the chat. again, one of the nice things about being virtual here is, you know, we've we've got access to our stuff. You know, if there's something yeah. you want us to show you, you know, yeah, in theory, uh, we can make that happen. Yeah, Trey can actually he can take his camera off his tripod and move it around and show you different things if if anything if anybody wanted yeah, to see. Something. I mean, this is a new you know that I anyone who's like kind of followed our streams and stuff. You know, I'm I'm kind of in a new room that that uh, I built last fall. You know, this is kind of just my retro setup, so <laughs> it's uh it's interesting. Yeah. All right. So, all right. There we go. So, if anybody 
if anybody has a question, just feel free to type it in the chat. If not, we'll just we'll just riff on what's going on, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, what what games did you buy last year? I mean, like, what is what do you think is the game that you you spent the most money on last year? Ah. Uh... I spend the most money on you know i've probably got on i've probably got a photo of what i bought <laughs> on my phone uh, i know you bought um you bought uh game ground which you had like only just recently come to yes, very yeah. recently at the time kind of come to an appreciation of and i when you showed it to me i'm like that has got to be the best box art on the genesis it's amazing <laughs> there's just like so much going on in that picture uh, so we got a question from uh, Jeremy Riedel asking, uh, when is your CRT uh, TV service menu episode coming out? That, that is a great, great question. Uh, and I, I don't know if you you mean that uh, uh, to rib at us because we've, we've, uh, we've promised that for way too long. But early this year, uh, you know, before everything shut down, but, you know, around the time that people were like, mm, this virus thing is probably going to be coming, isn't it? Uh, this was late February. Uh, I went to Matt Lisi's house. Oh, Matt okay. Lisi lives uh, in the town I was born in, actually, like less than two hours from here. Uh, he is uh, one of the, the, the guys behind um, uh, Insurrection Industries who make like the Carby GameCube uh, HDMI and stuff. And Steve Nutter, who runs this channel on YouTube called uh, Retro Tech. Um, uh, and you, anyone who's interested in CRT repair or, or, or in, anything about C, the, the technical aspects of CRT really needs to watch his channel. Uh, he was delivering a refurbished 20L5 to Matt in person and also was going to uh, recap on site a, uh, a 20 M2 MDU uh, that Matt had that, that needed recapping. Uh, and so Matt invited me to come to his place, uh, shoot Steve doing that uh, repair process uh, and adjusting the geometry. And then afterwards, Steve came to my place and adjusted geometry on uh, most of the CRTs <laughs> I've got hooked up here. We wanted to do some recapping of mine, but we, we just had no time. Uh, so anyway, a lot of that footage, uh, Steve uh, kind of narrating what he's doing and his thought process, that is going to become, in fact, there was, uh, if you've seen Analog Frontiers Part 2, there was footage of Steve working on CRTs mm -hmm. in there. That was where that footage came from. And uh, that will become uh, a, a significant portion of the CRT Geometry episode. So you can officially say it is after like what? promising it like five years ago it is it is officially in production <laughs> <laughs> uh there was a question so there's a, a a tab for q a where uh people can put the questions in so i'm gonna be that's what okay. i'm gonna be using so if anybody in the chat if you click on the q a tab just uh type your questions in there and then it makes it easier to, to follow along uh there's a question from michelle bridges asking uh, will you guys be reviewing the analog pocket before it launches and uh, uh, i hope so i hope so i yeah. mean we haven't heard anything, and we had a chance to uh, beta test the Super NT and the Mega SG, so I'm hoping this will be a similar yeah. situation. And the NT Mini as well. I mean... Yes. Well, I, I, I mean, you got the NT Mini, like, after after it had already been out for a while. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, no. 
I, I got it. I got. Oh well yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm thinking. I got well ahead of time. The original NT. Neither, neither of us have that. Right. Okay. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I we're, we're really hopeful that we'll be able to look at some early units because uh, that's critical in getting our videos out on time. Uh, because that Mega SG one turned out to be really long. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, uh, I mean, I I would almost surely expect. I mean analog does things like pretty by the books i mean they have like embargo dates and stuff so uh like everyone's is probably going to be releasing at the same time which is probably going to be around the time of, re of release uh but it's it's too far off to really say uh for sure how that'll go for now but uh 100 we're counting on, on being able to do that yeah i really hope so i really hope so uh there's there's another question uh saying uh what is the first video game each of you sold and why Ooh. from from gold saturn well i mean that's that's a tough question because there was a point where i was selling a lot of stuff at garage sales to to fund Ooh. other games and a lot of genesis games that i wish that i uh that i didn't sell you know but i mean i can't i cannot tell you what it, it was the very early Genesis games. Like I definitely I, remember I, selling Ghost, Ghostbusters for the Genesis at one of those. I, I'm pretty sure I can remember the first, which was really my NES and entire childhood NES collection, which was sold I think for like twenty or twenty five bucks at a, at a yard sale. I mean, I didn't have like a ton, a ton of games. I mean, I had maybe I don't know ten games. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason was, uh, it was 1996. I decided that i really needed the n64 uh after you know playing it and you know i i was i was the age where my dad was like you know you, you need to learn about saving up money and everything <laughs> <laughs> so he was like well you should sell some stuff at the yard sale you have and make you some money to buy that and my mom was like i you're gonna regret selling that <laughs> you know, because once I got my super, I got my super Nintendo late, I got in, in late 94. And once I got that, like, especially because I had like super Mario all-stars and, you know, there I had my favorite NES games playable on super Nintendo. I just stopped playing my NES entirely. And my mom, my mom had the foresight to be like, you're, you're going to wish you had that one day. Yeah. And, uh, my dad's like, no, you should sell it. And, uh, <laughs> my mom was right. Yeah. She was right. Because, you know, like two years later, I'm like, man, I missed out on so much NES stuff. And, you know, I asked for an NES and a bunch of NES games from Funko Land for my birthday <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> a couple of years later. And, but you know what? That was a good revelation to have. Like at that time, like, oh, wait, old systems are still really good. And there's still a lot of games I want to play for them <laughs> because that time frame of like late 90s, that was good to be buying all those NES games, you know, Super Nintendo RPGs and stuff like that. So worked out, but that was definitely the, I'm almost positive. That's the first thing I sold and it was a mistake, but you know, it worked out. Uh, there, there's a question from Henry Clark asking, I know Tri is doing a video, so I don't want him to scoop himself on it. Uh, so, so Corey, what is your game? What, which Game Boy mod included is your go-to? I mean, do you mm. want to talk about the episode that you're doing right now? Because I think that it's, I mean, it's will probably be out next week, and I think it's hopefully, kind of a, hopefully. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, I mean, I like the AGS one hundred and one for most stuff, 
But I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be interesting to see the reaction to this video that Try is working on right now. Yeah, because I, I so I mean, there's like all of these IPS replacement screens that have been kind of making a big splash in the Game Boy scene lately. Um, and I kind of just decided to go all in on. I bought uh, three of these kits. Uh, no, four, well, eventually four. And you thought it would be kind of a generally an easy episode. <laughs> I thought it was going to be easy because everyone's like talking about these things like, oh man, these are awesome. Uh, but like, I, I, I'm, I end up finding some weird, weird, weird behaviors that I feel like people aren't talking about that much. And I like confirmed this with like other people, like who are part of like our Patreon discord and some people that were in our street, our Sunday stream chat. Uh, and I've talked to some other people like th it's not just me. Like there are some very strange behaviors on these IPS screens that uh, don't entirely ruin it, but they, they bug me. Uh, and, and the experience is far from perfect. Uh, so I, I, I won't necessarily get into the specifics, uh, but it, it, it'll, it'll be an interesting video uh, because it has some of, I say in the video, like the one specific issue, I say it's not like the worst thing ever, but it's like the just the weirdest, absolute weirdest visual like artifact. Like I think I've ever seen in any of these like retro products. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's like, it defies explanation. So it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, and you know, so definitely watch it before you buy into the IPS screens. Maybe it's not going to bother you. Maybe it's not going to bother you, but it, some of these issues bother me anyway. Yeah. Uh, there was a question from Jonathan Hinson, who is a, who is a stream regular of ours. Oh yeah. Good to see you here. Uh, how does the Sega Genesis Mr. Core stack up against the analog mega SG core? I have the Mr. but not the mega SG. And I think it all comes down to the audio. The audio is amazing on the Mister, and it's been used like they've they've used uh, MD Fourier to analyze analyze different versions of the Genesis hardware. And you mm -hmm. can you can choose from the different kind of hardware that you want or audio hardware mm -hmm. that you want to use on the right, Mister, which that is was missing. That was that was something that was uh, I believe implemented by Raisha, who we actually met at long island expo last year oh yes right and i mean i think as it is right now the the mega sg has not been updated in a while because because captures has been working on the the pocket obviously and also redoing everything for the nt mini noir so i mean as it is right now i think the mister is a fantastic choice and is if it comes when it coming down to like audio and like how many options you have like like mister for sure right now and yeah, the, the mean, only downfall of that is that you can't use your original cartridges if you want to use them right i mean and i've generally heard that the genesis core is considered like maybe the it's considered possibly the most accurate on mister right now don't mm -hmm. don't quote me on that but I, I think i've heard i've heard that said i mean so it, it's very very impressive but i mean that's not saying anything against the mega sg because uh you know, I, I'm not like the most hardcore, you know, I didn't grow up with Genesis, so I don't have like this predefined notion of how it should sound. And I personally really like the sound of the Mega SG, but it's not necessarily the most, it doesn't necessarily replicate any specific variation, uh, but it sounds really good to me. And I do use the Mega SG a lot because 
I like using my original cartridges when I play. So, um, you know, it, it, I think that's what it really comes down to is using cartridges important to you or not, you know? Right. I see that we have, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Bob Neal in the chat there, retro oh, RGB, hey, is saying, hey, hey. who is saying NES might be the most. Oh, accurate. okay, okay. All right, so let's take a look at some of these, some of these questions. Uh, there's a uh, question from uh, Ryan McConnell asking, "Who are your Smash Ultimate mains?" Ooh, Whew, man. I mean, <laughs> does it count that I haven't even unlocked all the characters with Smash Ultimate? <laughs> I mean, um, I, I like Smash. I like I like the. Uh, I like seeing what they put in Smash, but I'm not good at it. So it's, I mean, it's I'm more not about good at either. seeing like what's in it is more interesting to me than actually playing it. When when I played through like the main single player mode, oh, well, I can't remember what it's called, World of Light or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of fun playing through that. And when I did the bulk of it was like right after Piranha Plant came out. Um, and I, I just like really latched on to Piranha Plant and just loved how he played. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've had lapses of where I haven't played the game in a long time. And the last time I played it, like I felt like I was terrible with Piranha Plant, <laughs> but I was loving how he played uh, at that time. So I, I've definitely put the most time into Piranha Plant, but um, you know, in, in the past, uh, you know, like uh, in, Original Smash, I liked Link and Luigi, and uh, in Melee, I liked mm-hmm. Young Link and Dr. Mario. In Brawl, I liked Pit. Yeah, uh, I used Smash- I used Pit in, in in Brawl. I guess in I guess in the, the Wii U one, I used uh, Zero Suit Samus a lot. Okay, I don't remember really what I use. I mean, kind of in general, I default to like Toon Link or Young Link. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like maybe not necessarily my best, but the one that feels like, especially if I haven't played in a long time, like those are the ones that I'm like most comfortable like jumping into. Right. Uh, there's another question from uh, Michelle Bridges asking, uh, "Do you have a video for the OSSC two in the works?" It's, I'm I'm assuming you mean the OSSC Pro. Uh, I mean, we hope to do one when it becomes available but i mean yeah i mean i don't i i mean bob here in the chat uh may have possibly heard uh something some you know he he he's the man with the updates everyone needs to be watching or listening to his his weekly podcast because you will know just about everything worth knowing in in the retro scene on a weekly basis i have no idea how he juggles as much as he does because he just has to have so much information coming at him from like things that are cool and exciting all the time. So I wonder if he's like excited about stuff or is just like, okay, here's this an- another thing that I got to <laughs> worry about covering in the future. But you know, I mean, he, like he's, like he said in analog frontiers part one, he, he is the middleman. He is, he is so good at compiling information and, and, and presenting it to people in a, a digestible form. So uh, I, I have not heard any recent updates on the OSSC Pro. I mean, for all we know, it could be a year, two, three years out. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, the current OSS it is almost assuredly going to be much more expensive than the current OSSC. So, like, if your equipment is compatible with the OSSC and, and like, the features that it currently has uh, sound like the thing to you i mean it's like well 130 dollars now i think so i would not necessarily hold off on buying the current ossc because that i i don't think that the pro is going to replace 
the original. It's going to be a more expensive product with, you know, power user features that will almost assuredly become like the hearts of our setups. But I don't think it's going to be what everyone necessarily needs. So, I mean, the, the current OSSC is still amazing. Yeah. Uh, there is a, yeah. a question from uh, Chris Frank asking, what do you guys think of using an OSSC with an HDMI to VGA adapter on a CRT PC monitor, especially for people mm. who don't want to spend thousands it costs for a PVM? Specific, specifically, he was asking about the OSSC. Yeah, using OSSC. Uh, you know, uh, I actually did that on accident uh, a few months ago <laughs> because I was... Um, I was trying to send uh i was just trying to come up with what what's some signal that my I, i've got this nec multi-sync computer monitor that's, that's beautiful it's very very nice um and i i needed to shoot a shot of it saying like signal out of range or or you know no signal or signal not understood so i was like okay i just hooked it up to an ossc with one of those very cheap uh lagless hdmi uh, to VGA adapters. Uh, and I was shocked by what it would accept. I had a very hard time, uh, uh, getting it to not accept something. And, uh, I ended up turning on the NES. I'm just like, dang, like it ugh, looks really good on there. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the adding the skin lines on mm -hmm. it, like it, it does look very, very good. And that is something I want to explore you know, once Analog Frontiers is, is off my plate, I think I'm going to feel a lot more freedom to uh, uh, do a lot of these, like, I, I should just do this subject. Right. And that's something I've wanted to do for a long time is looking at PC monitors as, like, a alternative to PVMs. A lot of people, you know, we get a lot of comments, you know, saying, like, oh, you know, PC CRTs are, are just as good or PC CRTs are better. And I think that's just, you know, it's, that's the classic console war thing of like, you know, I have to believe that what I have is the best. <laughs> uh, and that's not necessarily true. They, they are different. Yeah. Uh, the, the way that a PVM versus a computer CRT with an OSSC or, or some other upscaler, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say is, is better, but they, they behave differently. The PVM like takes that 240p signal natively. You know, so it's it's a different it's a different representation. Right. I think I, I but I think it is absolutely a valid alternative, and some people may indeed prefer it. And you can go on Amazon get like I don't know fifteen dollars or less just these lagless passive. Uh, I don't I don't know Bob might does Bob have a list of of some of those uh, uh, lagless adapters? I mean, they're oh, very yeah, cheap. Yeah, yeah. I have no and, idea. And he, it, he they amaze me on on Amazon and stuff like that too. So he he has, yeah. he has a pretty good pretty robust list of all kinds of like really good equipment. The, those, those, those adapters just baffle me. I don't <laughs> I, like, I don't know how they exist or how they work. They work so well. Yeah. Like it's, it's, they shouldn't exist. Like it's, they are <laughs> incredibly useful. Uh, there is a question asking us how we feel about the NT mini noir. Well, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it like, is interesting. I mean, we had no idea. We had actually asked when it was first announced. We said, oh, is this something that we should think about pre-ordering so that we can cover it? Or is it going to be any different? And they're like, nope, it's not going to be any different. And so we didn't. And then it comes out that it's going to have all these new features. And 
be really awesome. And my my point of view on it is I don't feel that they would have put that much work into redesigning all these features for it and adding all these features and only have it in that that version of it. I feel like in yeah. the future there there's going to be a smaller version uh this more in line and design wise to the the mm. Super NT and the Mega SG and utilize I, that utilize that uh, those abilities. I hope so because I mean like interpolation, I mean I I I harp on interpolation being such a crucial fe- feature all the time and the the NT mini does not have it but right. Super NT Mega SG have excellent interpolation but the the, I, a, I, the avs does have it avs yes, added it and that's right it it works very well it works very well yeah uh but i mean of course that is that's limited to 720p which you mm. know might not be exactly what certain people are looking for but i mean if you're looking for a good option uh for nes games they have you know everyone's saying interpolation yeah. the avs as far as i know is still readily available and is a mm-hmm. great system to get yeah it is, it is yeah. great is is a very smart, very practical system for you know using your actual cartridges on. Right. Um. But yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I mean, part of me is disappointed because, like, I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. But I, I'm, I might have pre-ordered one if I'd known they was going to have those features. But at the same time, like, this is just me personally. I don't love the NT Mini design. Like, I don't love like the, like the aluminum, big, metal, big aluminum. aluminum block like it's 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 cool but it doesn't feel to me like a video game console like it feels like it's ashamed to be a video game console it wants to pretend it's something more than that and i feel like the designs of the super nt and the mega sg are much more down to earth you know they fit they look like they fit alongside your video game systems. they're made of plastic video game systems are made of plastic let's face it let's 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 be confident and comfortable in that you know right so uh, I, I would like to see, you know, that, you know, 189 price point, you know, NT equivalent. And so maybe the NT Mini Noir is for those people who really wanted that aluminum design. They love that that look, but they're also getting the new features. And then maybe the people who want the plastic design at a lower price point can get that later. Yes. That's why I'm, I, I do agree. I hope that happens. Yes. Uh, so no more... No more questions are appearing in the in the queue on here. I'm not sure if it's just if it only limits you to nine questions being able being available at one time, but I'm not able to check them off as answered. There's an, a tab for answered. I'm not sure if anybody uh, if there's anybody from from up uplink here that can knock some of these questions out of the out of the queue so that new ones are showing up. But until until that happens, if that happens, yeah. See, Christopher. Christopher Frank is saying they can't add anything else. So, oh, so weird. we'll see. Uh, I, I'm sorry when I when I start like rambling on, like <laughs> my eyes stop focusing on chats. I'm not very good at paying attention to chats. <laughs> I see. I see Brian Corley in here in the in the chat is saying, uh, is saying how great is the archival content in that new Samurai Showdown collection? And, uh, oh. and and thanks for saying that. I mean, I I don't know if you said that just because uh, I I I actually edited the the videos and that we didn't we didn't shoot it or anything, but I was I was hired to just edit those those Q and A videos. You might see some shots in those Q and A videos that seem very similar to the kind of shots that you see on our show, where 
Oh, Meaning, did you sh you shot some extra? I actually haven't so even some B roll that. on them. Yeah, I mean it's just like okay. some slider shots, you know. Oh yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> and I see uh, Matt Hawkins in here saying, uh, "Once Analog Frontiers is over with, uh, how about another World of Power read through?" And that's something I've kind of <laughs> gone back and forth on that, that I really want to do that, and because uh, especially since the next one I would do is Ninja Gaiden, which I feel is the best one, but it's oh, it's okay. been quite a few years. It's been quite a few years, and. I got the the toughest part about those was to be able to use other footage that you know feels like it, it is part of the story. I guess I did some stuff with like the Blaster Master where I I went to the aquarium and shot all these like really big like these close ups of the frogs and the frog bog and stuff <clears throat> and stuff like that. Uh, I saw I, there was a question from. Uh... Wayne Lee saying, uh, as the options for AV fidelity on retro game consoles continues to grow and change, have you guys thought of revisiting or following up with some of the consoles you've covered in RGB, RGB video series so far? We kind of our current stance is we don't want to like make a new RGB 200 version of right. those because that would just be kind of boring for us to do. We always do updates in the RGB 300 series. So we've already done that, for example, with GameCube. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about a lot of the new HDMI and component options and things like that. And then in a sense, like this IPS Game Boy video I'm working on is like kind of a follow up to the Game Boy video. But again, it's RGB 300, not 200. It doesn't replace the original one. Mm -hmm. uh, there's... Uh, and I see there was also uh, from Christopher Frank saying, speaking of Analog Frontiers, would you guys be open to releasing the series on Blu-ray when it's done? And that is absolutely the plan. Yeah. You know, the, the plan was originally, <laughs> was originally to, like, have them all edited and then release them, like, one week apart, five weeks in a row. And, like, I don't know how I thought I could possibly do that because <laughs> they are so intense and take everything out of me to get them done. Uh, so... You know, I, I'm at, I'm taking a break from from it just to do this IPS video, but then once that's done, you know, I'm going to move right back into part three. Yeah, our dream schedule is for part three to be out in September. Uh, part four hopefully will be out in November, and five will probably be out in January. And that's that's what we hope. And the hope is to do a Blu-ray release. I don't know if it'll be a, a one disc like a DVD or a, a Blu-ray fifty disc where I you know you can put it all on one disc. Or it'll be a two disc. I'm not sure which is the it more. Might have to be two discs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which which one is the more uh, economical way to do it, but that is entirely planned. I mean, we still need to get around to releasing the the M2 documentary, which we have the discs for. We just we need to get them packaged, and we've been talking to somebody to get it packaged. It's just because of all the stuff with the pandemic, it's been harder to get that stuff, and we've gotten sidetracked with other stuff. And uh, I mean, we have M2 complete works, and <laughs> I mean, especially now. M2 Complete Works is nowhere near complete because M2 has been doing so much stuff this last year. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, but, I mean, we want to we, we want to release that for the people who didn't buy the Battle Garaga uh, special edition. They had the had it on, on Blu-ray with that. Um, let's see. We, there's a, uh, a question saying, uh, uh, any bucket list backlog games you completed or plan to complete in 2020? Do you have any games you've returned to this uh, returned to for uh, comfort food during this time? I've been I've actually been playing a surprising amount of of RPGs during this entire thing. I'm 25 hours into Dragon Quest 11, 
you know, I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, Trials of Mana, which is action RPG. But I mean, still, I it's it's hard for me to play RPGs these days. But I'm really finding a it's time to do it and just be really consistent uh-huh. with it, which is good. You know, I I find that lately, like RPGs is kind of what I feel like playing the most. I mean, I don't always have time for it, but like, it's what I'm like, I used to like not always be in the mood for RPGs, but now I feel like I could almost always go for an RPG if I had the time. (laughs) Uh, But you know, like you also did Final Fantasy VII Remake, Trials of Mana Remake, Um, you know, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, like I did not expect to get as taken by, I mean, I was, I was, I was I was playing it while we were sitting here waiting for it to start. Like I I I don't think I've ever played an Animal Crossing like consistently for as long as I have up to this point. I had no expectation of it really grabbing me the way it has, and it's it 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 has been you know not just a perfect game for this time, but uh, it it's it's just a big step up for the series. Lately, I've actually of course been playing Dragon Quest Eleven. I've been playing Dragon Quest Ten. Uh, which has been an interesting challenge, you know, with the, the language, uh, the language barrier, but um, it's, it is so good. Like, (laughs) and that's what people, I mean, just like you, I mean, that's what people play dragon quest for is like, you know what you're getting, you know what you're in for when you play it. And even though dragon quest 10 is an MMORPG, like that doesn't change the fact that it's still offering you that predictable, consistent, glorious dragon quest experience you know yeah. it is very dragon quest it barely feels like an mmo it's it's pretty <laughs> cool it's pretty cool uh there's a question from uh from saul weinberger asking in, in your opinion what is the best option for connecting a dreamcast to an hd tv uh without a doubt it's the uh, the dc digital the dc or formerly the dc hdmi from uh from uh dan coons and mm-hmm. uh christoph and it is unbelievable it is unbelievable and it is 100 the best option and one of the things i really love unless you unless you just like cannot handle a speck of dithering right but that's just you know what this is what dreamcast is what am i if you hate if you hate dithering then you just gotta play it in composite video the thing know? that i love so much about what you know dc digital and, and then also the uh, the ps1 digital will be doing and also which the ultra hdmi did it's the like sending out 1080p but having a 4x scale in in like in the center of the the 1080p window which i think is extremely useful for capture especially since you know if you're capturing that and you you scale it up you don't have to worry about anything showing through on the sides you know when i when i capture stuff from my ossc it's like a 960p window so it's a 4x scale but you still have to put like maybe a frame of black underneath it underneath the video on the timeline so that you know you don't have things on each side of it yeah so i see i i know that you like always leave the video underneath but like i always like when i edit like i like to kind of do this first pass of like which parts am i actually going to have like myself on screen and like I, I like visualize and like trim it down. Like I'm going to cut to me here, cut to me here. So I delete the parts. Like, cause I, I just want to be extra sure I'm not going to make that mistake. I delete the parts that I'm not going to be on camera. <laughs> but another thing that I but, like, like uh, I like about those about the DC Digital is the fact that it does not remove the analog output at all, and you can do both at the same time. 
which is is huge and extremely useful. You know, there is a point where I was capturing something like analog and using the DC digital at the same time for a comparison. You know, it was back in I think it was games within games where I was showing how things were scaled in different versions and just being able to do those both on this at the same time with with two different capture cards and just have it one and done was so convenient. Um, there's a question from uh, Anthony Perky asking if you guys ever think you will sell your collections. I've been collecting for 22 years, uh, but with the advances in flashcards and ODEs, coupled with rising game prices, add to the realization that that my daughters have no interest in my old games. That mm -hmm. they're uh, it's looking pretty it's looking pretty good to sell now. So I was talking to somebody about this recently, who is in the process of selling a lot of their arcade hardware because of the advances that the Mister is making. And mm -hmm. I mean, I think that if I was not, if we were not doing the show, I would probably be looking to get rid of a lot of stuff. But the, the main reason I hang on to a lot of the stuff where I prefer to have like the original things or the original cartridges and everything is so that we can always default to that to like, we can, accurately show exactly what we mean to show and it also makes very it's also good to have that stuff around for for b-roll purposes and mm -hmm. for archival just to be able to show that yeah. the actual real thing on camera yeah i mean i feel like that's that's what we do is i, I feel like for the general population if you don't have like the original cart that's fine but i feel like for us like part of what we do is to share like what that experience is or what it was as, as truly as you can. So it is important, I think, to be able for us, especially to be able to show, show like, this is it. This is, this is the original thing. This is the original experience of, of having this thing. This is the print materials that were, mm -hmm. were in it. Like you, you know, sometimes you open these manuals and you're like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen like this piece of artwork online, you know, yeah, things or like to, that. So just being I, able to I, show I do... that, like, even if it's, even if there is a scan of it online, we really like to show things. Uh, we like to sh point a camera at it and shoot it. So it makes, it mm -hmm. gives it more of a, like a, a real feeling of existing in the real world. No. That you could just like no, reach exactly. out and like you could you could read it right there right right like i feel like that's a big theme for for me personally and and what i try to do with videos is like especially with analog frontiers like i'm always very conscious to use use present tense terms mm -hmm. and when i'm editing Corey's scripts i'm always Ryan over his was and his yeah. had and i i've, I've really tried to get better has. yeah because i mean and that's just me to be honest. I don't, I don't actually catch a lot of other people doing that, but like, it's very important to me to, I mean, you can say like past tense, like Nintendo released or something like that, or, you know, at this time it was this, but these things still exist. And I, I feel like that's very important to establish. Like a lot of people just think like, Oh, old games, old systems, CRTs, like that's, who has that? You can't use that anymore. And it's like, well, heck yeah, you can. It's, it's, it exists. It is, it is not was, it is. These things are here and now, and you can touch them and you can use them. And in a lot of cases, they work just the same way as they did 30 years ago. Right. So that that's very, but you know, back to the original question, like I, I cannot personally see myself selling my collection because, you know, I, I have flash carts, 
but to me they're very most of them were hand-me-downs from Corey. you know he's mm-hmm. upgraded to you know the x7 and whatever and you know i've got his old his old flashcards. but to me they're tools yeah. they are useful for making the show uh for maybe having access to games that i don't don't have like if something is a good visual example of a certain effect or something that i want to show or just to switch between a bunch of games very quickly it's very good to have flashcards but they are they are they're work tools for me i don't really get a lot out of playing a game off of a flash cartridge and that's just me and my personal hang-ups but i i find it very difficult to like commit to a game Mm -hmm on a flash card. Like I, I want to intentionally put that cartridge in my system or put that disc in my system and be like, I'm sitting down and I'm going to play through this. I'm going to beat this game. Like I'm going to mark it off my backlog. And I just can't do that with a flash card ODE. I'm going to have to get over that eventually with ODEs, yeah, I, mean, I think, especially, but fla- but cartridges, I, I, especially, I just want to play the real thing as long as I can. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've talked about it before and, uh, you know, I've talked to some other people who have, like, you know, put certain things in perspective. And a lot of times, you know, as you said, it's it's kind of kind of a hang up and it's like something that like will perhaps one day have to get over. But I mean, I, I think that if it was if it was up to me, you know, and we are not doing the show and <clears throat> none of this stuff was even even needed to be here. I would probably just really go through and pick a lot of the stuff that I'm very sentimental about and just uh just go with that yeah. and you know and uh someone's saying you know, consider donating your collections to one of the various video game museums when it comes time of course and i don't know if we have anything interesting enough at least i mean maybe you never 20, know 30 years in the future something that we have people are gonna be like oh my gosh you've got you got a real frame meister <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy because someone just posted a link yesterday of a frame meister that sold on ebay for eight hundred dollars $800. And there was somebody who left a comment on a video recently saying the one thing that they leave out of this is the fact that it costs 600 bucks. It's like not four years ago when this video was made. I mean, yes, yeah. it was, it was 300 at the time. It was expensive. But I mean, but certainly like, not. <laughs> certainly I mean, if you were, if you were into, re- if you were really serious about retro gaming, I don't think it's unrealistic to, to buy something that, is you know the price of a new console but if like you would get a lot of value out of that if you're heavy into retro games i but yeah i mean nowadays though definitely go for the ossc because it's 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 what's current and it's what is affordable it doesn't handle 480i the way that most people would prefer the frame meister still is kind of king on that mm-hmm. but uh you know uh yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean it's our production what can you say uh, I see that I see uh, Voltar is in, in is in the chat there. Oh hey hey hey! <laughs> and every time you know, every time I see him, I can't unhear like, you know what, guys, we're gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, so bad. Frontiers Part Two. That was one of my favorite favorite parts when he you know he was saying you know there, there's a lot of good upscalers that uh, will really make that transition less painful for you. And you'll look at this and you'll see, hey guys. This doesn't look so bad. I'm going to make it. You know, there's like this, he does like this spot on solid snake impression. And I feel like he has like started to partially assimilate solid snake because if you listen closely, like if, He'll the, dip in trail, and out if the trail end of a sentence that he makes every once in a while, you'll just get a little bit, just a, just a hint of that, 
that solid state gravel at the end of the, at the, end of the <laughs> sentence. Uh, There's a question from Michelle Bridges asking, uh, I have a PBM 20M for you. As we, we have one of those, I think. I'm pretty do sure we? that we do. Or we may have the, M- the MDU. M4. I've got I've got M2 MDU, which I really like. Because which I think they have, the same thing. I th- I they think. have two. Well, it's M2. I don't know about M4. M2s have two RGB inputs, which is very handy. But unfortunately, only one RGB pass through. Right. But uh, say, but saying that, I had to uh, have it. Re- I had to have a recapped main board and a and a board from uh, Save on Pat installed to get it to work. After this, I worked at, it worked, but I had the red, green, and blue lines at the top of the screen. Oh, so that's like in the overscan. That is those the red, green, and blue up there. I think those are like above line twenty one, which is where closed caption is normally located. Um, I got the caps replaced to uh, fix it for retro text video. Oh, okay, so maybe it was not the Maybe it was something else. Yeah, Steve. Uh, Steve was actually uh, talking to me about those those three lines. Like when you when you see the overscan, if you push whatever button that lets you know makes it shrink down mm-hmm. so you can see those, like um, you know that's normal to see them. Unfortunately, when you put it on widescreen mode, you're just going to always see them. Yeah. I I was uh, talking to Steve about that when he was here, and he said, you know, some times people like try to like push those like to where you can't see them and that's just that's gonna ruin it like i don't remember exactly the technical details of what he told me but like you know like you do not want you you don't want to put intentionally push those lines like outside of range right because i mean they're they're i i believe they're like around like line 21 which is where the closed caption information usually lies uh like mm-hmm. on tv broadcast at least back in the day that's where yeah. it would be. But but if you don't, if you just got on normal view and you're not on like the underscan, you shouldn't see those unless you're on widescreen mode, in which case you you just, right. that, that's just a reality of PVMs, unfortunately. Right. So I, I just don't think that there's even a way to completely fix it. Oh, I see. There's replies to it. I see. Okay. Uh, hopefully. I'm, okay. Uh, oh, Technology Connections did a good video about how closed captions worked and it's great. Oh. Uh, Technology Connections is a is a great channel. Uh, I have no idea what his like when he comes up with ideas for topics that that he that he covers. I have no. I wonder what his um, like what his pool of of ideas looks like because they're always such weird things. A lot of times, like oh, let's talk about these these personal air conditioners and stuff like that. <laughs> Or like, why why are like these kind of coffee makers better, or stuff like that? I mean, I have no idea. Like, there's no rhyme or reason uh, for his his subject matter, which is is fun. Um, let's see here. Well, wow, there's 105 people watching. Yeah, that's that's Heck pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, there's uh, scrolling up a little bit. There is a question saying, uh, oh, saying. Uh, what are what are your proje- predictions for retro gaming in 2030? Uh, Multi console FPGA units, niche products of new PVMs, 8K lagless upscaling. I would love to hear your thoughts. Whew. Gosh, I mean, something that I'm really hoping will come along uh, would be, you know, I, I know that the retro community has a hard time getting a hold of 
technology that can let them do 4K properly, mm-hmm. you know, in part because it's very expensive and, uh, you know, you might have to have like HDMI licensing to really even get access to the chips. You know, I think there people can make like FPGA HDMI drivers where you don't necessarily need the real HDMI chips. Um, but something I would really like to see is a nearest neighbor 4K upscaler because then you could, you know, a lag list in particular, like you could take, uh, say, something that does 720p, like AVS, uh, GBA consoleizer, um, uh, even some of the mini consoles, and you could then do a 3x nearest neighbor scale to 4K, and it would, in theory, basically look just as if it was natively outputting 4k Mm. like you wouldn't need a more powerful system because if you're especially if you're just going for sharp pixels like it would you know i mean you could even do that with the ossc so i feel like a device like that could continue to make the existing products work really well with uh, evolving display technology. Of course, we might need to go up to an 8K scaler or whatever eventually, but I think something like that would go a long way to uh, the stuff that we're buying and using now not really becoming outdated in, in, in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So there, there I see uh, Ben Fong was asking, uh, what's the best way to take still photo images off a of CRT? I can never get that down properly. Instead, I wind up using an OSSC to take my photos. And I see that somebody is posting, somebody posted a LGR's video about taking photos off a off a computer screen. And I mean, I meant to watch that. And I, but I, I mean, it's, I, it's, I forgot to. It's just like use the synchro scan on GH5, which is, I mean, I so think it, that we told them, they said you should get the synchro scan. You should get a GH5 for the synchro scan since we, we use it to record uh CRT screens all the time. A synchro scan is a is a feature of, of uh, at least of the, the the Lumix GH cameras that allows you to adjust the shutter to like a a po- the point range instead of just being, you know, like like fifty like 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 every second. every ten or yeah every you know every yeah, tenth you know, of a you second. can you can set it to sixty point oh five. It doesn't right. actually display it that way, but there, you can go like point oh five. 0.01 and so for example super nintendo outputs at 60.08 so if you bump it up it's not 100 percent exactly there but you probably won't see the refresh line then you know genesis i forget what genesis is like 59.87 i i don't know i don't know what genesis is but like then you bump it down just a little bit so right. you can get rid of the refresh line um right it, and you it, might you might see it if you let it sit long enough you'd see the refresh line but for the most part you know it takes yeah. a while for it to show up there are probably other cameras that have that feature but we just know that we on the panasonic lumix cameras we we know we have that feature so yeah there are probably others that do something similar but otherwise i think a lot of times people just like flip the camera on and off until it's like somehow synced with well that's what i had to know. do with my old canon yeah i had mm-hmm. to like when, when when we did the the gaming on CRT episodes, I was using a Canon that I had to just turn it on and off until eventually it locked until it like randomly synced up with it, or at least was close enough. 
Uh, there was a question from uh, John Bealey asking, uh, what's been your favorite or, or most proud of video production you guys have made so far? I mean, you feel that you feel you should feel most proud about Analog Frontiers at this point. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say that with it not being done, but like I definitely kind of think of it as my my magnum opus and I don't. I, I, I don't even know if I want to make anything that good ever again, because <laughs> yeah, it, I, I joke about it. I, joke about <laughs> it. I say, taking, you know, it'll probably be the best thing that we ever do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, outside of that, in terms of something that's smaller and more complete, uh, something that I am just very happy with. Uh, and in part, because I just, I, I was so surprised by how well this story turned out, but uh, the little documentary we did on Tom Dubois. It yeah. is Dubois, not Dubois, uh, <laughs> who uh, was the you know the artist who did most of Konami's American box art covers from like the late '80s to like '93-ish. Um, and I mean, just such a charming guy. Uh, just had a great story, and I was just very proud of how you and I shot that well we shot uh, that like we it was like a day that we shot it was it, it was like a day like of of work like from about noon to maybe eight o'clock at night uh and we just you know we i i just felt we were very professional at how we approached well that, that shoot, was we had been know, shooting we had been shooting uh like we had just got, we had gone to japan to shoot m2 we had shot a mm. ton of analog frontier stuff uh we mm. spent some time in uh in San Francisco, we shot a bunch of stuff like in up in Chicago for like mm -hmm. a whole bunch of different things. And this happened over the course of like three months. And that was the last thing that we shot on this long string. And we were just we were like a, a well-oiled machine at that point. Yeah, it just it just came out so beautifully. And we had no idea before we met him, like, you know, if this was going to be good. And uh, it, it just turned out so great. It's not one of our most viewed videos. I wish more people had seen it, but it has had I mean, along with analog frontiers, uh, part one probably has had just the absolute warmest reception. I mean, the comments just were crazy on it, even yeah. though the view numbers were not. So for, for me, uh, the, in terms of the things that I have edited, uh, definitely, you know, analog frontiers up to this point and right. the Tom Dubois. Yeah, I mean, as I'm, some people are saying, M2 is is definitely like the thing that I'm most proud of, and uh, I mean, same with Night Trap. Night Trap was was a dream project. I mean, they were both dream projects, and you know, I'm really looking forward to this one that I'm finally getting around to editing. I'm going to. Uh, my mom is having a knee replacement in a couple weeks, and I'm going to stay with her for a while, and I'm bringing all this footage finally, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really try to get pretty far into uh this stuff that we shot gosh it's like like almost two years ago now we shot all these interviews with uh former editors of electronic gaming monthly magazine and it's like that's kind of a documentary that i've wanted to do for a long time it's just that various reasons has made it so that we have not did not do it sooner but i'm just i'm just gonna go ahead and and do it and that's that's the footage this is coming with me and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna stay with my mom for you know, a week, 10 days and see how it goes. I'm just going to crank through all that footage and see what I can put together. 
I, I'd like to point out that we've got 108 people in the chat right now. So we are all like a perfect, well-rounded Suicoden team right now. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see what else there is. Uh, but I mean, outside of that, you know, I think like normal episodes, I'm, I'm proud of the, the controllers episodes that we've done. The amount of B-roll and it, and as you if you go back to early episodes of the show and watch the amount of B-roll that we do, slowly like expands and expands and I can't believe how much B-roll we shoot shoot for every episode now. And I oh I, yeah, if I go back to my old like project files I've backed up, like the the amount of clips are so much smaller than what they are now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, in terms of like, you know, non-documentary stuff I'm most proud of, uh, I the Game Boy and the PS2 RGB episodes, I'm definitely very proud of. And I feel like, especially the PS2 one, like really kind of revived my own interest in the system. Like it's been one of my favorite systems to like buy games for since then. Because mm -hmm. I, I was just like, you know what? Like I, PS, I, I, go, I do that a lot. Like I go through phases with, different systems like a system that like maybe back in the day i kept pretty on top of and like bought stuff that i wanted as it was new like it's not uh, interesting to me but maybe something that i did you know like i bought more gamecube games than ps2 back in the day mm -hmm. but now like i'm just like man like ps2 is so interesting to me right now because i am discovering more games that interest me like actively right now whereas gamecube like Eh, you know, like I already have what I want for it. Like it's, you know, I've been there, done that PS2. I'm discovering, you know, so much stuff that I ignored back in the day. Yeah. Uh, it looks like we got three more minutes. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know if it says anywhere on the screen, if it's almost over. Do, just, do, do we just, do we just disappear? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's like, just like a hard cut at the very end. Um, so I'm saying like, uh, have you, have we backed the, uh, 108 stars of destiny have you backed the kickstarter and i gotta say i i haven't i there i, I reached a point where you know if a, if a if a kickstarter is a certain level of success like i have no reason to like put more money in i guess because I, I i will buy it and like that that'll probably get a physical release and i'll just buy that yeah like if it if it's pretty for sure i've not backed it either but as i definitely want the game i might consider backing it um just to like lock into that physical copy option. But like, if it is for sure getting like a regular physical release, otherwise, like I'll just buy it normally, but I, I, I may still go ahead and back that. Right. I see the, the Henry Clark in the chat is mentioning, like if you enjoy this kind of Q and a that we're doing uh, every Sunday at nine o'clock Eastern time, we do a live stream on our channel and uh, it's very much like this, but we are playing a game usually, and but it's more about the conversation than it is even about the game you know we that is, take questions and stuff from the chat and it's just it's just you know we do it for about two two and a half three hours usually three hours these yeah days. it used Sometimes to be like longer <laughs> yeah yeah depending on what we're playing but i mean it's yeah it's 9 p.m eastern on sunday nights so tomorrow night we'll be doing it and also tomorrow we're doing a panel with uh with our good friends uh john linneman and audie sorley from uh, Digital Foundry, and it's going to be, it's gonna be very, very relaxed, and it's just we're just gonna be it should be a conversation. We're gonna be talking about about the games, the games that made us, you know, the, the <laughs> things that the the games that we played that kind of led us to where we are now, I guess. So uh, they're gonna be joining us 
via via Discord, and you know, it's just gonna be it's gonna be just gonna be hanging out. Maybe we'll be taking some questions. Who knows? Who knows? It's gonna be it's gonna be very relaxed. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I'm just to see if there's any. Uh, Christopher Frank is saying if if you want the Steam controller for a controller's video, let me know. I actually got one when it was like five dollars. Yeah, well back. I've not used I it too. though. It, fe it, it I, feels comfortable, but I don't feel like it, it would be good for any of the games that I play on PC, which is like I, essentially I like, these games. I, I kind of like using it for like just navigating the computer, like as a, a mouse replacement. Oh, I haven't, I haven't even tried that. Is it is it pretty? It's pretty good for that. It's it's pretty it's pretty handy for that. Like you know, just to have a, a something that you don't like have to have like where you can have a mouse or trackball. Yeah. But Steam has to be open for it to, to work. So you have to have Steam. Steam has to like launch when you boot Windows. Right. Well, I, let us know if, when it goes off. I'm not sure if it's, if it's saying 245. Saying, my clock is saying 245. I, I don't have a Yeah, mine as well. Um, but thanks for, uh, for having us here, uh, everyone at Uplink and Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. And, you know, uh, sorry I wouldn't get through all of the, the questions here, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> These Q and A sessions always go so quickly. I, I know, like. I know. And uh, hopefully, everybody enjoys the other panels. I'll be watching several that I'm looking forward forward to. Is uh, you know, we got uh, the Russia RGB panel coming up, and I think it's like an an hour. And I, I'm excited to see the panel that uh, that Genovia is doing on the 32x with uh, with RGT85. And there's a lot of other ones. I'm looking forward to the Russia Roundtable tomorrow. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if what happens if we get cut off or how it, how, <laughs> if, how it happens. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and thanks, everybody. There we go. I mean, do I, do I just stop streaming, you think? Or should maybe, I just wait until we get cut off? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah, but, Retronauts is happening it's around the same time. I think they start... Like maybe 15 minutes before us, but I mean, the good thing is we can just uh, just watch the archives of that. And uh, I'm I'm not sure exactly how to to access those. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Well, the procedure for this is I just you know I'm I we're I'm doing it through OBS. I mean, a lot of people can just connect directly into it. And you know, but that way you make your own custom window, like yeah, embedding me so, through over Discord. Yeah, and we'll need to do that tomorrow for for John and Audie. Those guys are are uh, are together in person, so there'll just be in a single camera feed. So it'll just be a three three cameras then. Um, <laughs> everyone wants. So my neighbor has a dog name named it's it's a poodle named Pooty, and sometimes he really yells at the poodle, and then he goes. He's yelling. He's like, "Pooty, Pooty!" Well, that's that's become a recurring joke on our, yeah. our Sunday night YouTube streams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our our sound quality has been pretty good. That's good. We're both using our our shotgun. We're using our stream our stream microphones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not using my my normal stream microphone. I'm using oh, okay. I'm using a uh, using a, a shotgun mic. I see. But. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to stop because I don't want it to overlap. I don't want to take away from anybody else that's, that's going is going next. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for for uh, hanging out. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Twice. Later.
you know. What? Not not. Well, we'll see you in the evening as well. Oh yeah. One panel here, but you know, if you want to show up to the YouTube stream, right? PM Eastern. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll maybe, maybe we'll see you there then too. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Later. <laughs>